0: You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On College Football. My name is Josh Ward from Locked On Balls, and I'm joined by Andrew Wade from Locked On Hawkeyes. It's a Ward and Wade Wednesday here at the midpoint of the week. And man, we have a lot to cover with. Off the field news, but more on the field to talk about, Andrew. It feels, you know, I'm doing locked on balls, so the SEC starts up this week. It, it feels more like college football season with games having been played a couple of weeks now that we're in and, and more games on the schedule this upcoming week.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's almost kind of felt like preseason football to an extent the last couple of weeks. I mean, the quality of play hasn't been that great. You're not seeing a lot of the ranked teams. Uh, I mean, the AP pool reflects that. I mean, there's teams moving up and down. They haven't even played a game yet. So it's right. great that we have SEC football back um, as a Big Ten, very, big, very much a Big Ten proponent and a guy who thinks the Big Ten can't compete with the SEC. It pains me to say that, but I'm very excited that SEC football is back and we get some real games this week.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited for the Big Ten to start up. It'll be uh, a little bit more than a month. This is the Wednesday episode, the 23rd of September. So a month from tomorrow is the scheduled start date. Uh, I guess a month from today, the 23rd and 24th, Yeah. Uh, the start, starting weekend for the Big Ten. And uh, we might see that weekend Mountain West football. So that's part of the conversation here. We're going to look back at some games coming up and also look ahead to a now fuller schedule. But uh, word came out here over the last 24 hours or so that the Mountain West really is confident that it can start up and align its schedule with what the Big Ten is planning so that the Mountain West can be involved with the New York Six Bowl and have that kind of opportunity. So uh, the Mountain West looking like it's getting back to playing football like the Big Ten announced last week.
1: Yeah, it's kind of ironic because when the Big Ten decided to cancel their season, I felt like they expected other conferences to follow suit. And they didn't, the ACC, the big 12, the SEC, all stayed still, you know, made a few updates to their schedules. But now when the big 10 decides to come back, we have the mountain West looking at coming back, literally doing the exact same thing the big Ten's doing starting that October 24th, finishing on December 19th. And now we even have some rumblings that the pac 12 may consider coming back as well. I mean, at this point, if, if we feel like we can play football safely, let's get as much of those football teams back in action so we can crown a true, as much as we can, a true national champion at the end of the season. Um, We're seeing some schools, you know, kind of struggle with coronavirus cases and whatnot. But I think at this point, we have to realize that's an inevitability. It's not like that's going to go away anytime soon. And with better and increased protocols and whatnot, we can at least attempt to have a football season, which will not only benefit the product on the field, but I think benefit the student athlete as well, because now they're getting some more game film out there.
0: Yeah, I think so uh, too. And uh, yeah, I'm all about them being able to play and there are going to be some hiccups. We'll tell you about another one uh, that occurred on Tuesday coming up in just a moment. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious really to see what happens with the PAC 12, which has not gotten as much attention as the big 10 and the PAC 12 has been in a, I mean, obviously they're literally in a different place, but uh, in the state of California and Oregon, there have been different questions about what could happen, especially with uh, local levels. But in, in terms of the national conversation, the Big Ten got all kinds of coverage. Uh, the, the Pac-12 has not gotten that yet. I wonder if that might take off soon, as we did have the USC players put their letter together to send to the governor in California, and then he came back and said, yeah, the, the guidelines don't keep you from playing. But uh, a lot of people came to the support of Big Ten players and said, let them play. Are we going to see that here soon? Because time is ticking, right? I mean, they need to make a decision fairly soon if, they want, if the Pac-12 wants to play a legitimate schedule in the fall semester.
1: Absolutely. I think what's interesting about it, though, too, is, and we've talked a little bit about this, is the states that these schools are based in and how important college football is to those states, right? Arizona, Arizona State and Arizona, my family's all from Arizona. You know, that rivalry is, it's a big deal between those two schools, but not a lot of people in the state actually really care. Um, And I don't mean that as a diss to Arizona or Arizona state, but I think it speaks volumes about what the PAC 12 is facing versus what the big 10 was facing, where people literally like, that is their enti- they, they believe that Iowa Saturdays are the best Saturdays they can have anytime at Kinnick, outside the stadium, tailgating. And that can be said for almost all the Big Ten programs. So I think that also is weighing a little bit. You're getting more of that public pressure in the Big Ten versus where you might not get it in the Pac-12. But I did just see that Herm Edwards believes, and Herm Edwards likes to talk, right? But he believes sure. that the Pac-12 will be playing football in six weeks. And there's also a report that there could be a few teams reduced from the Pac-12. So I think there's a lot of things kind of swirling, but I think the the thing that makes, you know, is important to note is that the Pac-12 does appear to be at least gaining momentum to getting football back.
0: Yeah. And I do know when everything was happening with the Big Ten and Pac-12 shut down on the same day, the Pac-12 did a better job of communicating publicly and privately. The Big Ten had its obvious issues. Uh, internally with what was going on there so that makes sense you know Arizona State's a good school to bring up though because when we talk about the Pac-12 and what level of interest is there I have a lot of interest in seeing Jaden Daniels I think he's one of the most exciting players in college football so I would like to see what he's able to do this year for Arizona State and you know Oregon and USC are pretty big brands right and I would say that with UCLA I'm not saying UCLA is Ohio (laughs) State or Michigan or Alabama but Uh, it's, you have Chip Kelly there as the coach. So I, I, and also I just, I want to see them be able to play. I, I I like Pac-12 after dark. I have a number of reasons that I would like to see the, the Pac-12 get out there and play. And I'm sure the players would as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, college football is better with the Pac-12. I just think, again, like, it's just not, it doesn't seem as important as it is into the big 10 states, but you're hundred percent right. I mean, these schools have some very good players. I was really looking forward to watching USC. I mean, when they played Iowa last year, If it wasn't for Slovis going down with an injury, I do think USC beats Iowa and has more momentum going into this offseason. I think USC, they're kind of like the Texas of the Pac-12 and, you know, locked on Texas, locked on Longhorn's gonna be pissed off that I said it again, but they're kind of like the Texas of the Pac-12 where they're just always kind of, pretending to be back, but not actually back. And I truly think they have the ability to come back. I think Oregon though, is a team that I'm most interested in watching. Um, if Penny Sewell can, does decide to opt back in potentially seeing what they do to replace Justin Herbert. And that secondary for Oregon is very solid all around lots of NFL prospects too. I'm a huge draft buff. And so the fact of being able to get some more of these prospects, prospects, some game film, um, and you know, Penny Sewell, one of the big things about him is it would be great to see him just absolutely annihilate the competition this year. Um, considering he is considered one of the best tackle prospects in the like the history of the NFL draft so I'm just really excited about the NFL draft prospects of that as well
0: yeah that's another part of this because when there was talk of the Big Ten coming back and playing my immediate reaction when the playoff talk would come up is okay Ohio State's still gonna have a ton of talent but with some opt-outs how's that gonna affect them and then you get the opt-in news so uh, that's another reason is uh, and also I hope that The NCAA and the Pac-12 and and whoever else would be accommodating if a Panay or uh, anyone wanted to play. I'm pro player. I think uh, a lot of people would know that if you ever listen to Locked on Vols, I'm pro player in terms of opportunity, transfers, all that stuff. Uh, I would definitely be pro player in terms of guys trying to come back and play this year if they want to, of course. 100%
1: 100% agree man. I and the fact that the Mountain West is looking at doing it that is a very bad look for the Pac-12. The Mountain West is kind of the main competition that they have out there as far as football. And so the Mountain West coming back and looking like they're pretty much on that path doesn't bode well for the Pac-12. I think as you said, the Pac-12 did a great job of getting out in front of the news unlike the Big 10, but if the Mountain West is able to come back, I think as a Pac-12, you know, as Pac-12 schools, you start to wonder why can't we do this? We need to do this as well, but time's a ticking and they need to get a decision made soon.
0: So we'll talk more here over the next few days about what could happen with the Mountain West, the Pac-12. Will they come back and play? But, Andrew, why don't we come back here on Locked On College Football and talk about teams that are playing. Some interesting takeaways, I think, from this past week. The SEC is about to get started up, so more games to talk about. We'll do that coming up over the next couple of segments on Locked On College Football. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday, and yeah, Saturdays, they get really busy, right? You're You're caught up in the games. Throw in a snack into the middle of your afternoon. It will get you through into the evening games. Andrew, Built Bar, I think, is the perfect option for you. And they have a ton of options. They have the 12 OG flavors, as I call them, and then the six new flavors that have been added. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And then just a ton of flavors, nut and nut-free flavors that are available for you as well. And healthy options from BiltBar.com.
1: So go to BiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. That's right. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. And if you've used that promo code previously prior to the relaunch of Bilt Bar, just type it back in now. It has been reactivated. So that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BiltBar.com.
0: So, Andrew, I would say my biggest takeaway from this past weekend, and I would be curious what you would say, would be Miami. I, I thought it was really impressive on the road with its win against Louisville. I kind of liked Louisville, to be honest, going into that game. I knew yep. it could be a toss-up. It was a close point spread. It actually, actually swung the other way, but uh, I was impressed with Miami, which um, offensively showed in the opener against UAB that, hey, there could be some potential there, which I think everybody knew with Derek King coming in at quarterback, but Uh, That would be where I would start things off. What did you think there? What else would you say from last week in college football?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's kick it off the Miami-Louisville game, our first, you know, real ranked matchup. And the fact that it kind of became an offensive shootout. When you think of Miami the last couple of years under Manny Diaz, he's been trying to create a defensive identity, but that offense has always been the issue, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, You know, they brought in Tate Martell to be that guy. And I want to touch on him in a second, but he wasn't that guy. They had a couple other guys last year that they were kind of rotating in and out. They bring in Derrick King, and he has been an absolute beast so far. 18 of 30 for 325 yards and three touchdowns. His tight end, Brevin Jordan, a stud at tight end, a guy who could probably be a day one or day two pick in the NFL in a year or two. Had seven catches for 120 yards. And real quick, while we're on that, Brevin Jordan was actually a teammate with Tate Martell at Bishop Gorman. And Tate Martell just opted out of the season for Miami Hurricanes. What I find very interesting. His, Have you followed his career arc very much?
0: Yes, I have. And uh, it's obviously not in the way that he expected. And uh, there was uh, a lot of hype for what he could be at Ohio State. And there was the buildup uh, where he was you know, really well known nationally before he got to Ohio State, as that was uh, documented. And then going to Miami, the thought was, OK, he'll be a transfer there, get cleared to play right away. He was. And then he ends up not being the guy. And then obviously now De'Aaron King is brought in as a transfer to play.
1: Yeah, I mean it's very it's very interesting to me to see kind of his story, like you said, the ups and the downs. And Ohio State, when he was playing behind Dwayne Haskins, the thought was he was going to be that guy, and he got in in a few games and had some really nice games are some nice plays for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Buckeyes, excuse me, but going to Miami, not playing there. Uh, moving on, though, I actually, you know, I know this is a game that was expected to be a win for Clemson, but 49-0 over the Citadel. Trevor Lawrence's day was done six to seven minutes into the second half, and then we saw DJ Ugalelli, I'm going to mess up that name, another guy who actually appeared on QB1 behind Real Mitchell, who was actually the feature quarterback there, got in the game for the first time. Trevor only threw nine passes in that game that Clemson offense seems to be rolling last year I don't remember this but Trevor Lawrence kind of struggled at the beginning of the year and I know they're playing a few a little bit more tougher teams in the Citadel but the fact that he is playing so well right now is impressive to me
0: yeah he looks like he's locked and loaded and we've talked about you might see some sloppy play and I still expect that I think we'll probably see some of that in in the SEC I kind of just expected the start of any season anyway but in this kind of year for sure but with Clemson having Lawrence come back He's the Heisman favorite. He's projected as the number one pick in the NFL draft. And uh, he looks like the guy that we knew that he could be. And I thought because of some of the early issues that over the course of last season that people really started to kind of forget about what he really is as a quarterback. Remember, he has one loss, and that was in the national championship game for Clemson last season. Uh, and he's a guy that he, he just has everything. And now that he has all the experience, he has two years under his belt, a, you know, a year and a half plus as the starter uh, going into this season. Uh, Clemson, to me, is everything uh, offensively that we expected that it would be. Uh, giving, getting Travis Etienne back was almost unfair to the rest of college football, considering everything else Clemson has had. And uh, losing Justin Ross hurt, hurt, but when you have Trevor Lawrence, that helps. Uh, and I would still say uh, it's early, but Trevor would be the guy, to me, that's the clear favorite and the clear player to beat for the Heisman. Now I wonder these teams that we talk about that we like in the ACC, Notre Dame, Miami now, uh, North Carolina, I still like them. I've, I've been impressed at the start, but I don't know that I'm impressed enough to say, yeah, I like them to challenge Clemson for the ACC title.
1: hundred percent agree. And I think the fact, you know, Notre Dame needs as many games as possible too. And the fact that they are just going to, they're going to miss a game this upcoming week against Wake Forest. Um, I, like we talked about before, you can't. You got. You can only play the schedule that you have in front of you, and there's going to be teams that miss games here and there. But Notre Dame, especially, I have not. You know, they've been solid, but nothing that I think. They to me, they remind me of very much a Notre Dame team, a ten and two Notre Dame team that isn't worthy of a college well playoff, but is definitely worthy of being in one of those you know those New Year's Day's bowl type games. You know, so I, I'm not very impressed with Notre Dame um, overall as terms of a challenger to Clemson, uh, Louisville, Miami. Both solid teams. I'm a little bit more impressed with Miami now. I'd like to see what they do over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, Clemson to me is still the front runner in the ACC by far
0: yeah I think we're largely going to do that in most of the conferences i like uh, I like a couple of schools here in the big 12, but do I like them as much as Oklahoma Probably not uh, in the SEC we're going to do that now the, the SEC might uh, be a little bit deeper you, you might go three or four teams that could get there part, you know part of that's out of respect to lSU like I, I don't think LSU's there this year because of all that it has to replace, but they didn't win the title last year, so they'll get mentions until they're knocked out of that uh, legitimate competition if that's how it plays out but you know, in, in the Big Ten, that's probably going to be my expectation. Yeah, I like Michigan. I like Penn State as much as Ohio State? No. So yeah. you know, I, I think we're going to have that conversation. Obviously I could be proven wrong by uh, one of these groups. You mentioned Texas, Texas is going to have that expectation that it will challenge Oklahoma in the big 12.
1: Yeah, and I mean Texas, you know, they kick off, they have a season or a game upcoming, which which we'll talk about against Texas Tech. Uh Texas Tech had a very bad showing in their first week. So it'll be interesting to see how Texas plays against Texas Tech. But one team that I actually thought had some sleeper possibilities um, was Oklahoma State. They're ranked number 15th. I actually put them in my top 10 of my initial top 25 poll And when you talk about LSU, I actually had LSU 15 to 20. So I'm not very high in LSU, very high in Oklahoma State, but they struggled against a Tulsa team. They needed a four Fourth quarter, come back to beat them. They were down seven to three going into the fourth quarter. Ended up beating them sixteen to seven. Tulsa last year went four and eight. This is not a good football team. Oklahoma State is returning. I'm pretty sure every, almost every single starter. They should have handily won that game. Sloppy or not, that was unexpected by me and very concerning for a team that I actually felt like had a outside possibility of beating an Oklahoma and potentially making a run for it in the Big Twelve. So do you,
0: do you read a lot into that, or do you want to say, okay, well, let's see what happens against West Virginia, and then, and then I'll have a further evaluation of what Oklahoma State's really going to be?
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, a win is a win. So I will wait and see how they perform against the West Virginia. Um, first game of the season can always be a little bit sloppy. Uh, Iowa, for example, to go back to my roots, beat Northern Iowa on two blocked field goals in 2009, a Northern Iowa, an FCS school. They beat them by two blocked field goals at the very end of over or the very end of regulation to win that game. They ended up going to the orange bowl and winning. So there's always, you know, you got a give and a take with every game early on in the season. So I'll see how Oklahoma State plays against West Virginia, but it's not a promising start right now.
0: So that's something to pay attention to, how Oklahoma State responds after an ugly opener against Tulsa this past weekend. Why don't we continue on and talk about the games that we think are most interesting heading into a, deep, a deeper week as the SEC gets started up. We'll do that coming up here on Locked on College Football. And before we talk about games that will be taking place, uh, Andrew, you mentioned there a moment ago, Notre Dame's not playing this weekend. The Notre Dame-Wake Forest game was postponed. That announcement came on Tuesday afternoon uh, with the positive COVID test and just some concerns with some of the test results here over the last few days. Notre Dame and Wake Forest will not play. It's, it's the weekly reminder, right, that we don't know what's going to happen and there might be a few more cancellations or postponements before the end of the week. North, uh, North Carolina's dealt with the frustration of trying to get another game scheduled and hasn't had much luck. Friday, we had a couple of games last week postponed. So that's just, again, that's a part of the weekly uh, conversation and uh, Locked On College Football will let you know who is and who is not playing.
1: Absolutely. And I think what's interesting about that, it's going to be some interesting storylines going forward as these games start becoming more important. What if... LSU and Alabama can't play right like that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about in the future this is happening now it's going to continue to happen it is a it is just it's our reality it's what's going to happen each and every week Uh, I think what we've seen is some really impressive um, adaptability by some of these schools trying to get games played even though you know games are being moved around and canceled within you know hours Uh, so it'll be cool to see how this plays out as far as national title aspirations as far as who can play who and how that impacts the national title race and the college football playoff race, especially if you get late in the season and LSU and Alabama don't get a play because of something with COVID. So we're starting to see that now with some of these bigger schools, it'll be interesting to see what happens with some of the more important games.
0: Yeah. Uneven number of games could be a factor. And then other issues like Florida state's not going to have Mike Norvell uh, after he tested positive. So the Florida state Miami will not include both head coaches You'll probably see that happen from time to time over the course of the season. But the games do go on, which we are excited about. The SEC gets started up this upcoming week. You mentioned uh, last segment, Oklahoma State. Let's pay attention there. What do you think about Texas at Texas Tech? Texas is a top-10 team. Uh, It's on Fox on uh, Saturday, and it's a uh, a team, with quarterback Sam Ellinger, that's going to get a lot of attention all season long.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to watch that game. Again, I, I'm pretty much – I should be considered a Texas hater at this point for how much I, I talk yeah. smack about Texas. But going up against Texas Tech, you know, those are guys who likely didn't get recruited by Texas. Those are guys with chips on their shoulder um, playing in a, you know, a different kind of offense going up against Texas. They just came off a pretty bad win, though. Um, you know, barely winning last week, Texas Tech, that is. So I, I think Texas should – handedly win that game they should easily win that game if it's a close game that concerns me more about Texas but again I don't take as you know there's a little bit of um give and take with that first game of the season for Texas not having it you know getting their feet wet and whatnot so it'll be interesting to see how Sam Ellinger Sam Ellinger plays in that game I would like to see him put up some big numbers um, I do expect Texas to win by a lot however if if it's close uh, that'll be it'll be definitely a storyline to watch going forward
0: yeah, you know, the uh, the noon slate on Saturday is really interesting. You have uh, Louisville looking to bounce back at Pitt. That's uh, that's coming up at 12 o'clock on Saturday, and then the Lane Kiffin era begins at 12 o'clock, uh, 11 local, I guess there. But uh, Ole Miss uh, at uh, home against Florida, and Dan Mullen, the Gators, have big expectations. Then then Auburn, a top 10 team, it opened as about an eight and a half point favorite against Kentucky, a team that has. Really good offensive line. Kentucky can, you know, play that spoiler role a little bit. Uh, while the number three team in the country, Oklahoma, is going to be playing. But uh, Auburn, Kentucky, and Ole Miss and uh, Florida, both playing at the same time in the SEC, I think a little more interesting than you might think when you just look at the two matchups and the four teams involved.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm really excited about the Auburn-Kentucky game, especially because it kind of boils down to what can Bo Nix do? There's a lot of hype over him and what he is capable of doing. Um, can he continue to progress in his second year as the starting quarterback for Auburn? Um, I think that's going to be a closer game than that eight points. I truly do. I'm taking the under on that. I know this isn't a betting show, but I'm definitely taking the under on that. Again, first week of the season sloppy play you have Bo Nix who you know had some pretty impressive spurts last year but I didn't think he was a godsend for Auburn by any means so um, there's still some shaky play in there and I'll be interested to see how he performs in that first game against Kentucky which has put together a pretty nice defense over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, you're right. He opened up nicely with that win against Oregon. It wasn't a great game, but a great finish to win yep. that game. And, of course, now as a sophomore, he has more hype around him, higher expectations. He was a preseason All-SEC pick, uh, third team, I believe. Uh, going in by the coaches, but that says the coaches expect him to be at a, a better player. And uh, Kentucky, I just continue to be impressed with the way Mark Stoops has done his job there. So pay attention there. And then uh, Georgia, a lot of conversation with the quarterback position. Is JT Daniels still trying to figure out exactly what his medical clearance is with that uh, knee injury suffered a year ago at USC? Dwan Mathis is being talked about as a potential starter at quarterback, second-year player with, of course, Jamie Newman opting out a couple of weeks ago at Georgia. So that, that position will be worth paying attention to this week and then over the next few weeks because this week at Arkansas, probably not a big deal. But next week, Georgia has Auburn. Then after that, Tennessee and Alabama. Weeks two, three, and four are uh, really tough for Georgia.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one thing to take, the one thing I can, you know, kind of say though, is for Georgia, the quarterback position, although always important for any team um, for Georgia and their kind of style of play, a little bit more conservative, more focused on running the ball. It's not as big of a deal. However you want to get that quarterback position figured out before going into that three game stretch where you're going to need a guy who can make plays at times. You're going to need a guy who can sling the ball around the field. So definitely something I'm watching. I'm surprised you didn't mention, and probably because you are not as low on LSU as I am, I'm assuming because I'm pretty low on LSU. They're missing their entire starting lineup from last year. They take on Mississippi State, though, and – LSU is at number six. Mississippi State isn't a bad football team this year. I would say if they were playing a 12-game slate, probably 7-5, and 8-4 and four type of team, depending on how the schedule shakes out, that could be a game I actually think Mississippi State could pull off an upset in. Uh, LSU has a ton of turnover, and this is not a good time to be transitioning an entirely new offense, an entirely new defense, without your former offensive coordinator on that team.
0: Well, I think you're right to bring that game up. And with KJ Costello there and Mike Leach's offense, and if they, get, uh, if they get hot early, what if Mississippi State comes out firing and puts a couple of touchdowns on the board and LSU all of a sudden thinks, uh-oh, could we be in trouble? And uh, you don't have that continuity returning from last year from a personnel standpoint and with the coaching staff. Overall, obviously LSU's roster has more talent than Mississippi State. But uh, what could be an equalizer if you get better quarterback play on Mississippi State's side? Miles Brennan is officially the starting quarterback for LSU. But if if Costello comes out and, and plays really well, I mean, he could be an All SEC guy, right? Don't you just you take the Mike Leach quarterback and yeah. then you give him a pretty good chance of putting up numbers? And then the fact that he's taking a, a former Pac-12 starter at Stanford and trying to do that. I think that increases the likelihood. So you're right to bring that up. LSU is a, a big favorite. So I guess uh, to throw out one more number, you would like the the points there on Mississippi State side. I think LSU, I don't have an updated number, but it was around 19 and a half.
1: I'm taking money line, baby.
0: There you go. Get, I, I, I go a little ballsy on
1: those. Yeah, I'm taking money. I mean, if I'm going to take the points, I might as well take the money line too. Let's go for it. Well,
0: okay, so that, that's a good uh, finishing point. Uh, LSU and Texas, those fans probably don't like each other uh, too much, but they'll be aligned here not liking you, Longhorns fans and Tigers fans. I'm pissing fans, off right?
1: everyone, man. That's okay.
0: <laughs> that's okay. Anything else you would add in terms of what you're excited about seeing this upcoming weekend or uh, storylines we might have missed in college football?
1: yeah um, I just want to highlight two games real quick and is Iowa State at TCU me being from Iowa, um, Iowa State had a lot of expectations coming into the season. They are ranked they lose to you know uh, Ull going at TCU how do they rebound from that and then Oklahoma at Kansas state should be a blowout, but I'm personally just really excited to see Spencer Rattler. Uh, We talk a lot about Lincoln Riley and the fact that he has been able to produce these transfer quarterbacks over and over and over again, but Spencer Rattler being a guy who has actually been in his system for at least a year and will continue to be there for at least another two years. um, I'm excited to see the development and growth of Spencer Rattler, who's coming off a very, very impressive first start in college football. So those are the things I'm watching for this upcoming week when we have a locked and loaded college football schedule.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. You know, Cincinnati Army, a couple of top 25 teams. Army's been very excited about its start, yeah. and uh, it gets back to action. We we joked about that a little bit last week. So that's a 3.30 game ESPN, so they get a big window, too. That, that'll be exciting for both sides, Cincinnati and Arkansas at 3.30. I do Locked on Vols, so uh recommend you check out that show. But that's the closest uh, point spread uh, going into the weekend in the SEC. Tennessee's about a three-point favorite against South Carolina. And Will Muschamp, this is a really important year – you got the COVID stuff, so how does that affect South Carolina's finances? But I think it's safe to say after 4-8 last year, Will Muschamp would be advised to win some games. So an important opener for both teams, Tennessee and South Carolina. We mentioned Miami, Florida State. Um, that's one to pay attention to Saturday night. And then Virginia Tech, top 20 team against NC State, coming off its win against Wake Forest. I'm, just, I'm glad that we have more games going on, Andrew, yeah. and we'll have uh, plenty to talk about over the next few weeks. And remember, Locked On College Football is here every day. So check out Locked on Hawkeyes as they get ready for the start of Big Ten play. Andrew, I enjoyed it, and I'll see you again next week. Absolutely, Josh. Have a good day, buddy. Remember to hit that subscribe button. The show will be right there in your feed each and every day. It's a daily show covering what's going on around the college football world. Locked on college football. This has been a Ward and, Wednesday. Ward and Wade Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Locked on Podcast Network.